Hello, this is FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot Esports Podcast Network. I'm Ahmad Khan of Tom's Guide, and joining me today is Jacob Wolf, Chief Reporter and Investigative Lead for Dot. Last week, the LCS Players Association saw a major restructuring. Former Evil Geniuses executive Philip Aram is its new executive director. Two new players will also hold office. Team Liquid Support Core JJ and Dignitas Academy top laner Samson Loro Jackson were named vice presidents. There were also five other industry leaders added to the board, ranging from talent agents to lawyers. So Jacob, first off, thanks for jumping on the show. Thank you for having me. Whether it be the NBA Players Association or the NA. LCSPA, why are these organizations even necessary? I mean, what services are provided? Yeah, I think that's an evolving question in esports. You know, I look at some of the oldest games in the industry, such as League of Legends and Counter-Strike Global Offensive. And I think that there is a big need for players to be on the same page. In Counter-Strike, it makes perfect sense. They have a pretty uh, tight-knit players association because the games are, or rather the teams are kind of spread out all across the world. And there is like sort of a distinct difference between like a small team that, you know, is able to qualify into a tournament and a giant prestigious org like Team Liquid or Astralis or, you know, whoever else is sort of up there in that echelon or who you'd consider in that echelon. And League of Legends, particularly the LCSPA, I think there's a big need because this is a franchise league. You're dealing with a level of ownership that hasn't existed before three or four years ago. You know, the type of people that entered the league were basketball owners who negotiate against things like the MBPA. Um, and I think that when you look at the players, there, like, there's clearly been this evolution among the ownership and sort of the prestige of the ownership, the wealth of the ownership. And the players need to figure out how they evolve in means other than just the game i think quite traditionally players in league of legends have thought really only about their in-game performance and not the rest of their career what happens outside of around them and you've seen it increase a little bit particularly on the agency side but it shouldn't be like one agent or one firm responsible for fixing the league it really should be on a collective body and and i think that's why this is necessary to really contribute to a lot of things uh and give the players a voice in a way that they have not had before i mean what is a recent example that you could point to in which a more robust or more powerful uh players association would have been handy oh the stop to play is probably the biggest most recent situation where the lcspa could have been a lot more effective Last year, when uh, COVID broke out in the United States in March, and there was a delay with the LCS that essentially they, they took a week off, uh, I believe, is if our memory serves me correctly. Um, Riot went to the Players Association and said, hey, can you hold a vote uh, to essentially see if the players want to come back and continue playing? And if, if you know anything about Professional League of Legends, the spring split is considered by many quite obsolete. It qualifies you into the midseason invitational, but it doesn't like give you, especially now, it doesn't like give you championship points or anything that would get you to the world championship, the big tournament at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's kind of a, a pride thing more than anything else. And good practice internationally too. If your team is, uh, you know, if you're like Cloud Nine and you have Fudge, who's never played in that big of a tournament uh, other mm-hmm. than a, you know like a world's play in, but he's never played against the best teams in the world like that uh, ever before in his career. So 
the players voted to not resume play and riot decided to anyway and the okay. <laughs> the kind of the feedback the feedback was that it was um they riot wanted the opinion of the players but the players is not a like the players association is not a labor union and they can't strike like and i think they should be able to i'm, I'm very like pro union in this situation i think that the players should understand like hey, we don't want to play, and they should negotiate in contract protections for future situations where mm. that arises. You know, like, you can't just fire us if we decide not to play because we don't want to play because of COVID. And we, like, this split's already kind of obsolete, and we want to take a break. We're going to go back and visit our families. You know, whatever else you would want to do, be with your loved ones and stay safe. And But play continued, and it just was playing from home. And I think that a more robust... Uh, structured players association would have been a lot better in a situation like that in a way that uh, the LCSPA is not. Mm. And I think we should jump onto some of the criticisms that the uh, NALCSPA received. I mean, I remember when it was first kind of formed, it was formed by Riot Games as, I don't know, this arm to represent the players. And many kind of felt that it was a hollow gesture, almost as a way for Riot to give an air of legitimacy to its esports league, because, you know, of course, if the NBA has one, the NFL has one, then League of Legends, it being a sport as well, needs one too. I think that's partly right. I, I think the other flip point of that too is that if Riot doesn't do it, I don't think the players would have ever, to be to be honest. I think mm. that... You know, I, I interviewed Phil Aram, the new executive director, earlier this week, and I said, you know, I don't think a lot of players actually care about players' association, labor rights, et cetera. And he challenged me on that. He said, you know, like, I think that uh, I think that they do care. I think you just need to be able to meet them where they are, right? Like, kind of meet them at their level. They don't have the time to really think about all those things. They have a pro career to uh, take care of, and I think that, Overall, they are not uh, engaged in that way unless you really explain to them why they need to be. So I think that the Players Association wouldn't exist today if Riot didn't start it. Now, that said, was I as critical as everyone else about it being funded by the league organizer? Yeah, I was. And it's not funded by the league organizer anymore. They cut off funding at the end of last year. There, as I understand from what Phil has said to me and also publicly, they have about two years left of funding from what Riot had given them, and they're going to take the two uh, two years now to do some restructuring, try to increase like kind of player buy-in, not monetarily uh, yet, I don't think, but more so in terms of its importance. You know, mm -hmm. like really try to become a more organized body with these changes, and go and try to. I would imagine there will eventually be a conversation about dues. Right, um, right, right. I mean, that's what I was going to ask. Important. It's like, you know, how will it get funding after those two years? I mean, is it going to have to push players to start, you know, paying money like a union would? I would imagine it has to, right? Like, mm -hmm. how else is someone like Phil's salary going to get paid? I, I don't think it can be a part-time job. I think it should be right. a full-time job. It is right now. They have the money to be able to pay for him uh, to do this as a full-time job. But I, I think it should permanently be a full-time job, no matter who's in that position because um, it was for the past one too. Hobby August, the the former executive director, was uh, was it was his full time gig, um, uh, primarily anyway. Um, 
I think Phil is, uh, you know, I, I like how I interacted with him a lot during uh, his time in that position. But I think Phil's a better fit. He's from esports. He's worked with esports players a lot of his career. I mean, he was a he started off as a team manager for Mouse Sports and then a team manager for Evil Genius Estota. That's his background before he became an executive. Like, and ended up in the COO and then CGO position. He also ran Evil Geniuses uh, while they were independent after they separated from Twitch before they got uh, picked up by Peak Six in 2019. So he very critically has experience with working with players and in the case of when eg was independent it was player owned so he you know was having to work for players and that can be really difficult you know like i think i don't want to generalize too much but i think there are a lot lots of immaturity uh in all among all esports players (laughs) um and i think that at times that can be really difficult to deal with. I think having someone who understands how to deal with that level-headedly is incredibly important. I think Phil is actually quite a good fit. Um, they interviewed a, a lot of different people for this. And he also told me it was the, the hardest interview process he's ever done in his entire career that he had to talk to like 12 different people like Darshan ended up having him uh, speak to uh, even people who are not involved in the PA, but people that Darshan trusted just to like kind of get like a heat check on on uh, Phil's values, so yeah, I mean, I I think they chose well here, um, and I I'm cautiously optimistic uh, with these changes of how things will go. I mean, I know in the past that players like Doublelift uh, lobbed some pretty blunt criticism at uh, the Players Association. I mean, what has the response been like for, with this new kind of restructuring? I mean, what are players kind of saying online and on Twitter? You know, they haven't been as actively engaged as I think other than the ones who are in leadership positions mm-hmm. like core JJ Lorlo and Darshan. Uh, I think I tweeted this the other day and I, and I kind of just want to explain myself a little bit because uh, I think it's important. I essentially said that I, I don't, I've not seen, you know, I, I pay attention to a lot of traditional sports. There's zero incentive for riot or for the teams to want the players association to, for lack of a better word, get their shit together. Um, (laughs) And I have not seen a, I've not seen a players association more supported by team and league executives than I had the LCSPA. Like Mm. I saw a lot of like congratulations and well wishes towards Phil and the players association from people who are on the other side of the table. And I think part of that is because players have often either signed contracts without reading them and then the team follows the contract, the player's mad, starts a public like outcry and you know tries to rally their fan base against the teams, which is not healthy for anyone, you know, at that point like I'm sympathetic to the players being taken advantage of, but at the same time Pro League of Legends has been around for almost 11 years. Mm-hmm. At the same time like I would expect these people to like hire a lawyer hire an agent they had the money to do so the salary is big enough now to accommodate for that and so it's kind of their fault i I, and i think that's part of the reason that that the league and the team side executives want the pa to be educating these players so there has been a little bit of a change in the player base there are more players in the lcs this season than last compared to last that are Mm -hmm. younger from other regions like Oceania now that is uh, counts as North American residents. So you see younger players 
coming in, less experienced players coming in. We've seen right. a few retirements like Doublelift, like Bjergsen, um, who are no longer a part of any of this. Um, so I think right now the challenge that Darshan, Phil, and CoreJJ and Lorelo will have is to kind of tell players why this is important. And not mm -hmm. necessarily just tell them, but show them why it's important. I think yeah. that, honestly, also just to say, like, have, Core JJ is a fantastic addition in that regard because of every player in all of the LCS and the LCS Academy. That's the guy who's won a world championship. He's respected both in-game and out, out of game. You know, he is a, a top dog in a way that even other fellow world champions like Impact are not. Um, because, I, you know, Core JJ is really passionate about this stuff. I think that's a huge bonus, too. You know, I think what's interesting is that with the NALCS, because League of Legends is a you know a very global game, there are definitely a lot of players um, you know from the international round that are playing for American teams, and you know just like with the uh, Basketball Players Association, when protests broke out for Black Lives Matter, uh, the Players Association you know for the NBA did come out with statements of support, and you know it, it, the the Players Association at least for the NBA does make those activisty type uh outreaches now you know if i i wonder to what extent you know this could get hairy because um it is being so being more international like let's say uh korea or china or, you know one of these countries commits some uh something that's makes a lot of the international community very unhappy and then you know the, the associations you know puts out a statement and could potentially get some of these players in some hot water i mean do you think there's some of that i mean do you think they'll be able to navigate these kind of like thornier social causes as well as like the nba has or the N the nbpa has or do you think that aram is going to try and avoid any kind of social issues altogether i would be stunned if you ever saw the lcspa speak out about social issues in any regard positive or negative uh generally because even players Again, generalizing a little bit here, but I would say most players, even if they are from a country that's making human rights violations, they do not care about the, that. Like, it's hmm. partly time, but it's also just like a lot of these players don't have time to educate themselves on politics and, right. and get a view, or not even just politics, just human rights, right? Like, the LPL, for example, is very much avoided uh, the Uyghur genocide in China because it's just not something that they think is relevant to them. And that's mm. sad to say it that way, but like generally I just think that uh, esports players as a whole, but also specifically League of Legends players, kind of live in a little bit of a bubble um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In, in Los Angeles in this case. And I really don't think many of them are very socially active or even thinking about those things. So I think it's it's highly unlikely, highly right. unlikely. Like I don't remember, I'm not saying that, that he should have, but like I don't remember like anything from from Aphromoo around the George Floyd thing. He's the only black player in Pro League of Legends, or he was at the time. Um, and I, I don't remember anything. And I'm not saying he has to, he doesn't have to do that at all. Um, right. But I just think it's not something that's even front of mind even when it is international news. And then, you know, to flip that around, I know, well, the violence was breaking out between Israel and Palestine. There was, you know, one Valorant player who did, you know, show his support for Palestine. If a NALCS player were to do the same, I mean, will this player's association kind of like have their back? Oh, I would think so. I would think absolutely. If there's a case of, if there's a case of 
a player speaking up and it's like I, I don't see Riot punishing them mm-hmm. by any means. If they are, I think the PA would have their back. I think the PA will like have a very soft approach. I think they would stand up for a player if they were punished for something they said. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think they're like actively going to be involved in social activism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in your interview with uh, Iram, I wanted to ask, um, do you think that you know what does he ultimately want to bring to the this restructured association? Does he want to bring you know an air of like maybe legal legitimacy that wasn't there prior, or um, you know is is or right now his main concern just to like get enough player buy-in so that he can amass enough power to you know take on Riot and the league uh, if if a situation ever arises. Mm. That's a good question. I I I think that they. I think he's willing to be a contradictory party to Riot, and in some mm. ways the teams are, so his experience the past few years is actually kind of valuable. You know, I think that, like, the obviously the team and the league are kind of on the same side here, but it doesn't mean they're on the, the same on the same side on every issue. So, you know, I don't think we're going to see, like, a lockout or anything anytime soon. I'd be really surprised if we see the LCSPA go full-on labor union as well. I'd love it if they did, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. personally, although there are people that argue against it. I, I think it's valuable. But nonetheless, I, I do think that there'll be a more strict party here than the past LCSPA. I actually think they'll stand up for something. And I think that's a valuable valuable asset to have uh, on the player's tool belt. And I just really do hope, my hope is that the players really do buy into it. Not mon- not monetarily, although I, that would be great too. Uh, but I really do hope that they understand why this is a valuable thing that they have. Um, and I, that, I mean, the top does. That's the one big difference here. It's like Doublelift used to like poke fun at the PA just generally. Like he, at one point, I think he made a joke about trash um, in regards to the PA. At one point, mm-hmm. he said that the first two years of meetings were useless. Just really defaming a thing that he's a leader of, right? How can you buy into something when, when even the leaders don't take it seriously? Right. Um, I think that with core JJ and Darshan and Lorlo, they do take it seriously. I believe like, I know Darshan does. He's been there since the beginning, but I think core JJ and Lorlo do too. And I think that that will be incredibly beneficial that all of the leadership in this PA now is on the same page about the value of this generally. Um, and one thing that's really interesting is like Darshan and Lorlo in particular are not the outliers in this case. If you look at the former leadership of the PA, Bjergsen, Doublelift, like these guys make a lot more money than a lot of the the rest of the LCS players because they're some of the best players in the league and they're mm-hmm. some of the most popular players in the league, right? Like when they were playing, they made a lot of money. They were outliers in, in many instances in terms of salary. And the players know that because at one point, like it, this is one of the things the PA has done well, is it started with like a, a spreadsheet that was um, highest pay, lowest pay, median pay, and mean pay. Um each split they would like compile um, a few years ago. And as far as I know, that database became like every single player salary is collected by the PA and given to the players. 
and and obviously players giving it to their agents, which is a super valuable negotiating tool. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a bunch of you know if you're an academy player and you're making I don't know I'm just gonna throw a random figure out there 150 grand and double it to make an 850 850 thousand dollars a year like you look at that and you're just like uh, okay like he's on a whole another status level than me right and yeah core JJ is a very high high paid player he's one of the best players in the league but uh, Darshan and Laurel why I think they're paid pretty well they are not among the highest paid players in the league, nor the highest paid players in this association. So I think that there's a huge value in having people who are a lot more relatable, but also very experienced. Darshan is one of the most veteran players still left in Academy or the, or the LCS. He's been here for a long time. And, and crucially, as someone who's talked to him a few times about this, like crucially, he went from playing as a teenager to now being an adult, and he's matured a lot in mm-hmm. life and i think that's a valuable skill too because he can walk he walked the walk like he was playing while still in high school uh there were a lot of memes about like his class teachers calling him by his in-game name like it's, it's <laughs> funny it's funny and like he's like he's he's walked the walk that all these guys are doing and now he can you know categorically that's why he's been the leader here just generally like he can categorically say like hey i did it and so can you Here's where I made mistakes. Here's where you can do better. Right, right, right. Well, with that, Jacob, thank you so much for jumping on the show. All right. No problem. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. And that was FTW with Ahmad Khan, part of the Dot .esports podcast network. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and share. For full transcripts, head on over to ftwamod.com. To follow Jacob and his work over at Dot .esports, you can find him at Jacob Wolf on Twitter. To follow me and my work over at Tom's Guide, you can find me at Ahmad on Twitter. This episode was produced by Henrique Demore and Jacob Wolf. Executive producers are Kevin Morris and Thomas Tischio. With that, we'll catch you guys next week.